But I grew up in Hilo, and one of the ways God shows his goodness to me growing up in Hilo was an old Japanese restaurant called Kowate Seed Shop. I want to show you a picture of Kowate Seed Shop. And, our, and uh, this is one of your old-fashioned mom and pops restaurants. Now, they don't, they don't, a lot of them are closing down, and specifically Kowate Seed Shop was closing on this day four years ago. And I was, by God's grace, able to be a part of this last day. And the line went all the way around the building. Literally, I waited 30 minutes. And the one thing about Kowate Seed Shop, 60 years of service to downtown Hilo, one thing that was famous about Kowate Seed Shop was their gravy burger, all right? Now, if you're from the mainland, we're going to say gravy over here, okay? We say gravy, all right? And the reason why it was, it was so prophetic, all right? Let me just say it. Because they had, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like this, but they had the best pickles in one gravy burger. No make sense, but when you bite the stinking burger, that burger is ono, right? And delicious. And so, because this, this pickle is not salty or savory. This pickle got a little spice and it's sweet, right? It, like Hawaiians, right? We, we, we a little sweet and spicy. Can I get a witness out there, right? Right, we're a little sweet and spicy. Come, we get aloha spirit, but you wrong us the wrong way, we, get, we give you spiciness at the end of it, right? That's the reality of it, yeah? But, it, man, and it, it was, the line was so long, God, I had to get three of them. We're going to get a witness, right? Three of them. And as I was eating the last third burger, yes, I don't look like this because of salad, all right? The last, the last, when I ate that last bite of the burger, a reporter from Tribune Herald came up to me and had the audacity to speak to me on that last bite burger, right? And then when he said, hey, how's the burger? Here's my time to shine, Ohana. About to be in the newspaper. Never in my life was I in the newspaper. I'm about to shine. And, but there's a piece of burger in my mouth. And this was my response. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, right? That, like, like, that's what's going to be in the paper, Zeke Tomaselli. Oh, no. Right? But, but with an accent. And it's not even pigeon Hawaiian or mainland. It's just something else. Oh, no. Right, right? And that's the reality. That was my confession. All right? The idea of being, having a confession is to admit something that was right, or admit something also that was wrong. And if three gravy burgers, right, right, is guilty, then I confess. Because those three gravy burgers made every experience of that last day, say it with me, one, two, three, ono, right? Have we forgot that the gospel is ono this morning? Have we forgot that walking with Christ is ono? Have we forgot that our Lord and Savior is delicious? Because that is the confession. Our church is going through the gospel of Mark verse by verse. We've been in it for a year and a half. We've landed on chapter 8. And there's a specific understanding in these next three weeks that we're kicking off in our church called Confessions. And today we're going to look at the confessions of what we see. The confessions are now, we're from a Hawaiian church, so we all get involved. So help me out, all right? All right? When I ask you to talk back, I expect you to talk back to me because we're on family. So everybody say confessions. And say, tell your neighbor, eh. Go, eh. I get something to confess to you. 
Now, if that wasn't, if you need a translator this morning, right? Just say, brother, I have something to say to you. <laughs> now, if you're catching feelings and your feelings catching feelings because of how I'm talking, I'm sorry, it's just who I am. I'm going home after this. But would you stand with me in the beautiful word of God and turn to the gospel of Mark chapter 8. I'm going to say a word and just say I. Ho mau kau kau. Pa. Beginning in verse 22, he says, And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and the man opened his eyes, and his sight was what? Help me out, Ohana. Restored. And he saw everything clearly, and he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Precious Lamb of God, the creator of heaven and earth. Holy Spirit of God, fill us with clarity, fill us with understanding. Manao and Ike, Lord Jesus. Help us to understand these words in this text. And I pray that if there's any critical spirits or controlling spirits in this room, that you would rebuke them in the name of Jesus. That we'll be able to hear from you. And may our confession at the end of this text be, I saw Jesus, and he is Ono. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and God's Ohana says loud and proud, amen. Mohoilala, you may be seated. We are connected as a church, both Ohana and Harbor Church, churches, with the, next, the Network Gospel Coalition. And the Gospel Coalition identifies and answers what the gospel is. It's on the screen. It says the gospel is, not, is, the, good, the, gospel is the good news that God sent Jesus to undo what Adam undid. Amen? Jesus died and rose again for sinners, just as God promised. It is the good news that we can once more be truly human. No longer we are like Adam, evicted from God's presence and under the wrath, under his wrath specifically. The garden, the kingdom has been regained with a plus. It is the good news that we sons of the second Adam have been, say that word with me, remade. Not just considered to be remade, but actually remade, not fully, but actually truly We've been reborn, made new, which is to say, regenerated. We sons of the second Adam was remade, raised with him to new life. His resurrection guarantees our own. We are new creatures. Yes, this means something terribly important for the future. And yes, it means we've got something we must share now with our unbelieving neighbors before it's too late. However... Far, far too long, we've missed what the gospel means for us now. We've missed why the gospel is good news 
for Christians today. And here's my hope. My hope that the gospel would continue to do what is done since Jesus. It would change our hearts. That we wouldn't get just biblical information, but this biblical information will provide biblical transformation. That what goes in on the hearts and ears today would be a, a, a overflow of the gospel into our communities. And we see this beautiful gospel of Mark, right? You got to understand the author. This bugger was Kaloi in the book of Acts. This bugger had the audacity to leave his cousin Barnabas and brought a Paul on a mission trip. And brought a Paul and Barnabas in Hawaiian, we call it. They had hakaka. They were scrapping against each other. And inside that fight, there was a dismissal between Paul, right? And then now Barnabas and his cousin. But later on in his epistles, we see that Paul talks highly about Mark, right? And then Mark writes a book, which we, which we understand his name is John Mark, and he presents Jesus in all his glory. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like Jesus is made known through this Kolohe brada. And this is not on the screen. This is just an extra truth for us. Thank God that he can use Kolohe brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen in there, right? Thank God he can use someone like me who stutters a lot. Thank God he can use someone like this holy brother named Matt to come here to Hawaii and minister the gospel to crazy, all kind people, right? All kind people, right? Across pollination, as I look out, there's all kind people here. Praise God that God can do what only God can do. That's powerful. That jacks me up. That gets me excited. Why? Because the gospel is the power unto God to salvation that they may believe. And so I wanted you to see two historical facts about our text today, an analysis that could be true as we exegete this text. Number one, we see the place of our story. The place of our story is Bethsaida. And what we know about Bethsaida, it was a community located on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was actually very popular, just like Capernaum, also as Jerusalem. But we also know from the Gospel of John, some disciples were from the Bethsaida area. The disciples Thomas, Andrew, Peter, they were from this place called Bethsaida. In addition, some scholars believe that it was the feeding of 5,000 was located right here at Bethsaida. So there's one thing that's pretty consistent in the writings of Mark, that Jesus did life in Bethsaida. I thank God that Jesus does life in Kaka'ako. Can I get a witness, right? I thank God that he's here about Hawaiians and Hawaiians at heart. I thank God that he is on the prowl, on the move, right? Drawing people to himself from whatever walk of life. There's a statement, and you may call me a heretic, but I promise you he's not her heresy. But I heard a pastor says there's a million ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to the Father. All of us came to Jesus in different environments, different ways. I can tell you the church that was here was a little different from this church, all right? We weren't as reserved, right, the church before this church. I mean, I mean when I say I was running around, it wasn't just the babies running around in this joint. <laughs> right, like we were excited about, I think some of it was genuine, and probably most of it wasn't, right? 
But some of it was genuine. That's what happens when, when a gospel, when you go to a location and the gospel is prevalent. So that's a historical fact. Secondly, we see the popularity within our story. Jesus had three strong years of ministry. His first year was the year of foundation, where he founded all his disciples and called them to walk with him. His second year was the year of popularity, where his ministry of healing brought him to this point of a famous status. But then there was his last year, the year of completion, when Jesus would take the cross for humanity. And what we see here is a beautiful picture of God fulfilling his promises through the old, by the Old Testament. And I want you to see really a few points, two truths about the gospel, then we'll be pauhana, we can go eat and cow cow. Well, some of you can, I gotta come back to service, all right? Number one, the gospel brings hurting people to Jesus. Say that with me, one, two, three. The gospel brings hurting people to Jesus. Look at verse 22. It says that, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man, and they begged him to touch him. Listen to me, saints. The gospel ministry always deals with people who are hurting. They are hurting from the inside out. Jesus came to address this very hurtingness, this issue. Look how Luke describes it about this gospel of healing. Luke 4, it says, The Spirit of God, the Lord, is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. One mark, listen to me, saints, one mark of a healthy church how we can define that you are a healthy, gospel-centered church is if you minister to hurting people. That's a defining mark of a hurting church, of, of, a, of a, well, I guess, of a, of a healthy church. You will hurt if you don't reach the hurt. A hurting individual is described as one that is abused, abandoned, can't provide for themselves, don't have community with anyone. They're considered the outcast like the leopards. And if we look deeply into our text, we would see that a blind man fits this very description of what a hurting person looks like. And a group, I want you to see this, a group, they're not called by a name. All the, all the author says is that some people, that was their name, some people. When I get to heaven, I want to meet some people. <laughs> I want to meet them. Right? They will never be known by their first or last name or their surname. All they're going to be known for in this text is some people brought this man to Jesus. I want you to see how the truth is true in this text. This one word, begged. And they begged Jesus to heal him. I want to be very clear as we look at this text. The motive of the gospel has always been a ministry to broken and hurting people. Why? Because the gospel brings hurting people to Jesus. This was the confession of the group. The confession of the group of what they saw was a blind man that needed Jesus. They needed healing. 
And there is a confession in their walk that led them to action. And because of that, you need to hear this biblical warning for all of us, right? Paul warns the church constantly. We need to warn the church constantly in our day and age too. And it's this, stop on the screen. If, if all we have as Christians is a theological conversation on doctrine and we never minister to hurting people, then our understanding of the gospel is incomplete. When we planted Ohana Church over six years ago, we went back to Hilo and I just came back with some great theological training, missiology training, right? All these training. And when we got to Hilo, it was a bummer because I didn't know where to start. My past was filled with sex, drugs, and reggae. That was my past, right? Or roots, as we call it in Kanaka. That's what was my past. That's all I knew. So I asked God, God, where would we go? So we went to the darkest place in the city. Mohoyal Bandstand, Heleon Bus Stop. And for a year and a half, we prayed every morning at 808. And what God would do, God, by his grace, would connect us with people who are hurting and broken, and today they're members of Ohana Church. 95% of our people were rescued in the ministry of Ohana Church. Why? Because we believe that the gospel was bigger, was bigger than just planting seeds, but the God we worship exploded seeds into blossoms. That's the gospel. The kind, we don't serve that puny kind of God. That we just play, but God in His sovereignty, in His sovereign grace, would rescue people from the homestead, from the higher communities of Sunset Hills and Heights and Hilo, all kind of demographics. God would do the work that He began in creation. And when the fall took place, God is redeeming man right now today back to Himself. Church, church planning training, they always say, What's your target group, people? My answer would be people, right? But what they really say, oh, what kind of ethnicity are you reaching, right? And for us, yeah, technically, it was the homestead, the Hawaiian homeland, where I grew up, Kyoka, Paneva. Then God did something greater. When we just stood at the bus stop, everybody comes to the bus stop. Hawaiian, Japanese, Chinese, Portuguese, not Portuguese, right? Portuguese, right? All kind of geese. Like they brought them and God did what only he can do because in and of himself, I am not a bright man. I fall short of God's grace and in his sovereign love, God rescues. All these peoples today, 11 different languages are spoken inside our congregation. Nine churches have been planted out of Ohana Church in the last six, year, in six years. Recently, our church plant in Japan is taking off. Our church planner will be with us next month to share his native understanding and biblical context of Tokyo, Shinjuku area. We have been there multiple times serving alongside of this church plant. And what, that one thing is consistent in all these church plants, people are hurting in need of Jesus. May our deep study in doctrine and genuine theology result into the gospel ministry of ministering to hurting individuals and groups of people. It is easy to be deceived to think that the depth of my relationship with the Lord is how many theological groups I can get people plugged into. And though theology is important and doctrinal and is sound, it's incomplete if we do nothing with it. If all we do is hear about hermeneutics, 
right? And the, and the doctrine of predestination and the election and Trinity, the Godhead. If all we do is hear, talk about these things and do nothing with it, we are spiritually obese. But may the gospel that transforms our heart live out of the overflow of transforming the hearts of hurting people. Look at what Mark's, look how Mark describes these holy huddles in an earlier account of the gospel of Mark. Chapter two, he says, and as he reclined at the table in his house, this is talking about Levi or Matthew, the tax collector. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but help me out, sinners. The gospel brings hurting people to Jesus. They're sinful. We are sinful people. It is safe to say that every church, I promise you this, every church has these two groups, right? You have the self-righteous ones, and you have the ones that are sick. And then when you assess their walk in the Lord, you're going to realize that they're both the same group. They're hurting. Both righteous, both sick, both high class, middle class, low class, they all need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the beauty of the gospel is that the gospel brings hurting people to our Lord and Savior. I'm in it. That's the joy. Number two, it would be Paul Hanna. The gospel heals hurting people because of Jesus. That is so honor. That, that what the work God begins, he fulfills, he completes. Mark gives a brief description of what this truth in our verses looks like. I want you to see these two biblical truths as we break down our text. Biblical truth number one, the blind will see, but it will come in God's time. Let me say that again. The blind will see, but it will come in God's time. Verse 23 says, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he has asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. It's safe to say that one of the biggest attacks of the devil is to measure people in their spiritual walk with the Lord by what they're doing and by what they're not doing. But as we look at this text, anything the man did, right, had nothing to do with his restoration. It was completely the work of Jesus. This will change the way we minister to leaders today. That we would ask God for our leaders and, and those who they lead, that they would see clearly. For some reason, we, we've used the gospel just for conversion, right? Coming to a relationship with Jesus, and we stop there. But the gospel is for believers just as much as it is for non-believers. We never graduate from the gospel. 
There's no paina party till we get to heaven, Hawaiians. That's the truth. The gospel is an ongoing message of the cross. It's for both righteous, self-righteous, and the sick. I want you to see some foundational symbols that happens in these verses we just read. Number one, Jesus leads us to our healing. Jesus takes the blind man out of the village where he can have privacy with him. Thank God that he's a personal God. He took this man away from distraction. Number two, Jesus speaks into our healing. How did Jesus speak into this man's healing? The bugger spit in the man's face. In my urban context, when we say the word spit, it's about wrapping something. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's about like, like God spit out some truth to this brother. Physically, right? And spiritually. And then God lome lome his eyes. Could you imagine, sister, if I spit in your face and lome lome your eyes? You probably would punch me in the face and I wouldn't blame you. And some of you would have to pray for healing over my, me being knocked out on the stage. It wouldn't be the first time in this church. Um, God, Jesus speaks, so Jesus speaks into our healing. Now here's a profound truth, number three. Jesus clarifies our healing. Can I get a hearty amen in this room? Yeah? He clarifies our healing. It's interesting that Jesus did not speak again after this man was asked the question. But one spoken word of God, it is enough for our healing today. All one of you. One spoken word of God was enough for God's healing. And God in his sovereign grace says, are you able to see? Right? In this language, all we see is not the response of the man's mouth or heart, just the author. Mark says his eyes was restored. Hallelujah. What a savior. Magnificent Jesus. Doing the work that only he can do. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. He gets all the recognition. He gets the biggest paina. He gets the biggest party because he is ono. The confession of what this blind man have seen now is that his eyes is restored. And this is the picture of the doctrine of salvation, where Jesus alone pursue us sinners and where Jesus alone restores us sinners. Can I get an amen out there, right? Thank God that you saved this homestead boy, this prejudiced, racist guy growing up in the homestead, this guy who was flawed in his theology growing up, this gentleman who would stab you in the back if you was his best friend, this man who punched his father many times in his face, this man who defiled people. Thank you, God, that you have made me see and I am restored today. Thank you, God. 
Thank you for your power. Thank you, Jesus, that you did what I could never do for myself or what I could never do for my wife and my boys and those that are in this room and I don't want to church. Thank you, God, that you are the one alone that draws us to you, that saves us from the inside, that regenerates us, that justifies us, that sanctifies us, that glorifies us someday. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Why? Because the gospel heals hurting people because of our Savior. This is truth number two. When the blind sees, God may refrain them from celebrating. I'm going to be honest. When I wrote this truth down, culturally, this was a negative for me. And when I say culturally, right, Hawaiians, we go in debt just to have painas. How in the world this brother can't even pay for the books at school, but bug you a multi-million dollar party right now going off with a one-year-old baby. Isn't it crazy, right? Graduation comes around. I, I was guilty of that too when I graduated. We spent thousands upon thousands of dollars for two hours. Two hours! Hoping that all the people that come and give their gifts would match what we spent. No, by no means. But isn't that the truth as we read this text? Jesus told this brother, skip the village, go straight home. And I want to I try and exegete this in an understanding, but look at this. As he sent him to his home, Jesus told him, do not even enter the village. Jesus tells the man to skip the location where he first met Jesus. Ironic, right? He tells him to move on from the area he was known to hang out most of his life. And, but there's a shift, right? A couple thoughts on this matter. As we look, why, why did Jesus send this restored man straight home versus back to the place he hung out for years? Listen to me. There's a couple things we need to look at when we see this. There's a couple reasons. Number one, to extend Jesus' earthly ministry before going to the cross. Jesus used a term in the Gospels, and he would say, it is not my hour. It is not my time. And for some of us, we blow up things too much. Social media, right? All kind of, like, like we make big deals of things that, man, is it really that big of a deal sometimes? Or is it just to show off about your own insecurities of what attention you're not getting today? So, so look at this. To extend Jesus' earthly ministry before going to the cross. It's not the first time Jesus told someone not to speak about the healing, guys. Secondly, to extract man's view on signs and wonders getting the attention versus Jesus being the reason alone. We live in a day and age where we, we overemphasize signs and wonders. And you may say, well, that was a sign and wonder. Well, if you read up in the text, you will see that uh, there was Pharisees following Jesus. And they were asking Jesus, will you show us a sign that you're truly the son of God? And Jesus told them, you will never see a sign. Because what Jesus was saying, I'm right here and you don't see me myself. Like that will preach all day long, son. Your heart should be blessed by this. 
that the Savior of the world is not looking for you to make a fiasco and make a fanaticism of this event. In fact, this is not about an event. This is about a relationship. God is making it clear. He's making it clear to this man. And I want you to see very clear, right? We make a big deal about church growth concepts. And if I hear one more guy on social media talking about church growth concepts, I am canceling all social media on my life, right? This is how you can build a bigger church, right? This is what you can do. Listen, listen to me. The goal is not fruitfulness. The goal is faithfulness. Let me say that again. You may have not heard it. The goal is not fruitfulness. The goal is faithfulness, right? The faithfulness of the preaching of the word of God or when somebody talks bad about you after your message. The faithfulness of the preaching of God or when somebody talks about the way your kids act in your church. The faithfulness of the preaching of God. Well, then we don't have this ministry here. And The faithfulness of the preaching of God. God, listen to me. We care so much about fruit that we forget the fruit is because of the faithfulness. I know Pastor Matt no yell like me. I'm sorry. Don't, don't confuse my passion, all right, from my love for Jesus, okay? I'm, this is me on the football field too, okay? <laughs> Promise, kind. But we focus so much on fruit. Can I, amen? Do we measure everything by production, right? I can promise you, the Hawaiian, Matt Dirks, got the bad end of the stick <laughs> today. He gonna go, we probably get water on the stage this morning, Right? Because we're no more building anymore. Get really loud Hawaiians like me in there. Going over for, amen, pastor. Hallelujah. Right? He's going to go to where, man, he's going to go to where it's probably raining again in Hilo. I felt like we brought the rain to Honolulu today. It's been beautiful, but man, you start driving the H1, okay? Our speed limit only go 45 on the big island, okay? And I could not see mama, right? Right? It was rough. Here's the joy of all of this. Life is rough. Okay. Be faithful. You may not get your way wherever you are. Be faithful. Right? You may have some crazy kanaka up on the stage preaching loud and all these obnoxious things. Be faithful. Be faithful. Serve your kahu well in this church. When that bugger come back Monday, I know you guys are elder boy and I was too. But when Matt come back Monday, you kiss him on the cheek. Yeah, talking to you, man. All right? You hug, you horny, you lomi lomi him. Say, thank you for not being crazy like that Hawaiian you said on Sunday. <laughs> it's for real. I love that Hawaiian. 20 years. People don't last that long in Hawaii, Nick. Can I get a witness? That's faithfulness. Who can preach in a school that long, set up, tear down? Only Jesus through us, right? Faithfulness. You guys got this beautiful facility. Why? Faithfulness. Your church is growing. Biblically, doctrinally, theologically. Faithfulness. It's growing because Jesus said, right? Through the words of Paul, that he who began a new work in you will complete it until the day Christ returns. We either believe that or we don't. I prefer to believe When you leave today, may you leave with joy. May you be reminded that Jesus 
es o no. That will kill any distraction that's in your life. Because more than us being faithful, we have a king, a Lord. His name is Jesus. And he is faithful to you. Here's some action steps. Number one, here's how we should respond to the gospel. We must pray. And we must ask Jesus for biblical clarity. I, I'm, I understand. I ain't no scholar in this room, but Jesus is. And we point you to the risen Savior. Ask God to pray and ask Jesus for biblical clarity. Number two, we must participate in intentional, intentionally in the lives of hurting people. This is not a political call, but our church is on the Mauna once a week. We're not there to be political. We're not even there to fight about cultural differences. We're there to vala'au with each other. In Hawaiian, that's talk story. We're there to talk story. I'll be very honest to let you know, if you are very critical of different beliefs, but you're not in those circles to, to talk story with those circles and try to come up with some solution, then you are being a self-righteous person. Those people are hurting. We all are hurting. We need to be intentional about the gospel with hurting people. I end my sermon with this truth by Dr. Daniel Aiken from Southeastern Seminary. He says, though we are called to bring the hurting to Jesus, we can also trust the hurting to Jesus. Don't think that you got to come up with fancy methods to save people. Point people to Jesus. And know without a shadow of a doubt, you can trust. Jesus get them, brother. Jesus get them, sister. Tutu, makuakane, makuahine. Jesus get them. He got you. He got the other ones too. Just be faithful. Don't worry about fruit. You bow your heads. As we respond to the